Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel, broadcasting remotely. The school year starts soon for more than 500,000 public school students across Connecticut. But back to school doesn't mean all children will be inside a classroom. In fact, one of the state's largest districts will be starting school on a remote schedule, despite a low number of coronavirus cases in Connecticut. Coming up, we talk with the New Haven School Board President, Jacenia Rivera, about why board members ultimately voted to stick with online learning. The decision sets the board apart from Superintendent Dr. Eileen Tracy, who says there are ramifications for students and families in New Haven by not starting with a hybrid plan. We'll hear from Dr. Tracy, too. That's just ahead. We'll also talk with the president of Bridgeport's Teachers Union about the district's decision to start school with full-time classes for K through 8th grade students. Teachers and other school staff are among those not happy about this decision. And we want to hear from you today. What does back to school look like for your family? 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Now, a few months ago, State Education Commissioner Dr. Miguel Cardona came on the show, and Ruben Mictum called in with the question. He'll be in eighth grade this year. We invited Ruben back on the show to find out what he and his family decided to do this fall. Ruben, thank you so much for, call- for, for joining us via Zoom today. Uh yeah. Hi. Um and, and so, you're gonna be you're gonna be an eighth grader at King Philip Middle School in West Hartford? Yes. Um so tell us uh what you're gonna do this fall. What did you and your family decide? So at first we were like, there's no way we're going back to school. It's but then as the the West Hartford plan seems pretty good, um, or at least my parents think it is, and a lot of my other friends are just, have just been saying, um, and their parents are just like, it's going to close in a couple weeks when cases go up because everyone's going to school again. Um, so we might as go as well go while it's there. Hmm. Um, and so West Hartford, be- Ruben, West Hartford, the school district is alternating weeks to split up the student body. So one week, one portion of the school will be in class yeah. and then the other um, week will be remote. So how do you feel about that schedule? Um, it's like theoretically it, it like helps, but considering the fact that each grade in my school has 300 kids ish. That's still like 150 kids per team that are going to intermingle. That's still a substantial number of people, I think. So, like, it'll be, it'll help. And having the block schedules and moving less and, like, wearing masks and all this stuff will help. But I think probably, I'm guessing that it's probably going to close after a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. So, Ruben, what are you most looking forward to uh, by going back to school on this hybrid schedule? Well, I didn't really see anyone all summer because I was away and, like, it's kind of hard to see people. Um, 
like I've seen like a couple people. I've seen two people, two different people all summer. And it'll be nice to see everyone else who I don't have the contact of who I couldn't mm. see during the summer. Mm. Like and like just be in a classroom with other people. Mm. That'll be nice. What will be most difficult when you think about uh, remote learning this past spring uh, and having to do that at least for part of your, your school year? How do you feel about that, Ruben? Well, I just found remote learning, I know some people were fine with it, but personally, it was really boring for me and I couldn't focus like at all because in school, I stay focused by... I, in between doing things, like, I talk to other people because, yeah. And, but the, use, we used Google Meets, and you have to stay muted the whole time. Like, that's, because everyone can hear you, no matter, you, it, you can't, like, be talking to just one person. Mm. Um, so, um, it was... We had to act, talk and act like you're supposed to in school, but like, and you don't talk at all, mm -hmm. which is not real life. Uh, so you yeah. miss that social aspect, just being able to talk with your peers, to see people while you're also learning. Yeah. Um, it was a lot to, and it kind of came quicker than expected because our schools, we were supposed to have two week break for Corona while they figured stuff out. But then after one week, they were like, no, we're going to online right now, mm -hmm. um, which is good for them. And it was pretty good considering they only had a week to spend on it. But it was also had some problems. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. What were the problems, Ruben? Well, some people just didn't come. Um, some people probably couldn't come, like, ha ha were unable to. But I think some, some people, like, checked into the first ones and then just didn't care enough to check into any of the other ones. Mm. And there was no real consequence because they couldn't really do anything mm. about that. So a bunch of people just didn't come. Like, at least, I know at least 10 people who never, who, um, after, like, the first week just stopped. Mm. Coming. Ruben, we, we know a statewide one in four students did not participate in online learning, as, as you're mentioning. So when you think back to the distance learning that you uh, went through, did you feel like you were able to learn as much? And how do you think you'll combat that boredom this time around? I think I learned, but barely, like... Had I struggled to focus on my work and do the work, which is like not, which is not something I've done, I've had a problem with before. Uh, and so, what do you so, think your, what do you think your teacher can do to help you stay more engaged? Letting the kids talk would theoretically be good, but kind of wouldn't be good because like there's because there's no way to really talk to one person and 
and not, then would not have that be distracting. Group projects are really hard to do because we a couple teachers tried to do group project sort of things, but to do it, you had to coordinate time on your, the kids had to coordinate time with each other. And that often didn't work very well because some people, some people just aren't good at planning their time. And a lot of people just don't have in seventh grade, which was last year, mm-hmm. just don't have any control over whether their, when their parents are like, okay, we're going somewhere. Um, you just have to go. Mm-hmm. You're hearing Reuben Mictum. He's a rising eighth grader at King Philip Middle School in West Hartford. As we talk about back to school looking very different uh, for students and families and school staff across our state, you can join our conversation 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I wanted to bring into the conversation now a parent, uh, Deborah Roman Madeira, lives in Hartford and she has a son who's a Crex student at a school in New Britain. Deborah, welcome to our show. Hi. So again, uh, so we just heard from Ruben about his experience this past spring and some of the challenges uh, and what he's looking forward to in this upcoming year. What about your son? Uh, what decision did you, your, you and your family make for him? Okay, so um, he's going to be going to school um, due to the reason that at first I wanted to give him homeschooling, but since they told me that they weren't going to give special classes, as in robotics, culinary arts, for the students that are staying home. So I decided to let him go to school. And what will that schedule look like? Will they be doing a hybrid schedule, or is it full in class every day? Um, no, they're starting off with a half a day. Mm-hmm. So he'll be going in at 7 o'clock in the morning and um, going home around 10.30. You said that you originally wanted to homeschool your child, but you wanted him to get a lot of those other uh, special um, activities and programs that he would miss if he was being homeschooled. Are you concerned about his safety, having to send him back? Yes. Honestly, yes. Um, I know that even though there are going to be 25 students in each classroom, but still, um, there is exposure at a certain point. Um, I work as a security officer. So during the outbreak of the pandemic, I was there to see a whole bunch of stuff. And it is scary. It is. Mm-hmm. Honestly. We heard from Ruben that he missed seeing his friends, his peers. What about your son? Uh, is he looking forward to at least seeing his classmates again? Yes, he's very excited. He's bored of being home. I guess most of the students are, are, you know, feeling the same way, not being able to um, interact with with other people, socialize. And what about support for parents like yourself, uh, Deborah? Uh, We heard from uh, someone on Twitter that wants to know how parents will be coached. Um, The support that parents also need to help their their students uh, when they're doing the distance learning. How do you feel about that? Are you are you are you hearing from your son's school about how they can help you? No, not yet. 
Is there any indication that that uh, that will be something that the school will offer, or is this something that you hope to communicate to them? I hope to communicate it to them because I know that uh, most of us as parents are um, we're worried about you know what's going to go on during um, our children being in school. Um, how are they going to uh, do the the lunch breaks and all that stuff? Um, I still don't know if like where each children's going to sit, like the distance, um, which they should do a meeting about that. Like show us how the classrooms are going to look like and how lunch is going to look like. Well, Deborah, that's a concern I know many parents have, especially with mask breaks and, and how schools can really uh, social distance that six feet that's recommended when uh, we know that it can be difficult depending on the school building your child's in. Uh, we hope that your son's school year goes well. We thank you for calling in today. You're welcome. And Ruben, before we let you go, um, how do you feel about uh, the safety precautions, even if there's less kids in the school? Do you feel like your peers will keep their masks on, will uh, adhere to social distancing? Honestly, no. Honestly, I severely doubt that people will follow, um, like, someone will, like, go to the bathroom and... They'll just, like, take off their masks, like, I don't know, hug, high-five, uh, everything. Honestly, probably not. They probably won't. Most people will probably, well, I bet a lot of, a lot will, but enough won't. Mm. Um, and there's, it's, people are definitely going to have exposure who go to the school. Like, um, my mom's friend teaches in Middletown at a private school, which is full open, and then comes home with and sends his kid to the West Hartford Public Schools. So, And my mom says that since Wesleyan has people on campus and the college students are college students, that it's probably going to, get to West Hartford from Middletown without with too, with without much difficulty and mm. then everything's going to close again. Yeah. Well, Ruben, those are concerns that a lot of families and educators and people in communities are are weighing as we think about uh, the school year starting. But we thank you for calling in to share your perspective. Ruben Mictum, again, he'll be an 8th grader at King Philip Middle School in West Hartford. Ruben, good luck this year. Thank you. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up, students in New Haven School District will start school fully remote. What impact will that have on students and their families? We'll talk about that after the break. We also want to hear from you. What does back to school look like for your family? Join us at 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live.
This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Reopening schools has been heavily debated this summer, and even now the situation changes from town to town. On Tuesday, Hamden, Connecticut's Board of Education voted to delay reopening because they're faced with a teacher shortage. Meanwhile, the city of Danbury won't reopen until October 1st at the earliest because of a recent spike in coronavirus cases. My next guest leads the school board in New Haven. It's the only city that requested a waiver from state education officials to start the school year fully remote. Are you a parent in the New Haven school district? How does the decision affect you, your student and yourself? You can join the conversation 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Jacenia Rivera, again, is president of the New Haven Public Schools Board of Education, joining us via Zoom. Jacenia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, We know uh, throughout the summer, Governor Lamont and the State Department of Education Commissioner uh, wanted schools to reopen fully this fall. Uh, Later, they clarified and said it's up to the districts to decide and, you know, allowing a hybrid model with a mix of in-person classes and remote learning would also be acceptable. Uh, But the New Haven Board of Ed has voted and confirmed that schools are going to start the year fully remote. Tell us about uh, why the board decided to start this way. Yes, thank you. Um, First of all, let me just say that, you know, these are very tough decisions that we're making at the moment. Um, You know, these are all good people making the best decision under really difficult and challenging times. Um, I understand that others, you know, may think differently, but this is where we're at. And unfortunately, there's no guarantees no matter which plan is decided on. there's no playbook, right, for what we're going through right now. Um, if there were, this would be so much easier. Um, I just think that, you know, there were different uh, mindsets in terms of what they thought, what we thought uh, safety in the schools should look like and, and what they thought was lacking um, in the plan. And so it was decided um to start with a 10-week remote and then hopefully get back into a, a hybrid plan after that. and But mm-hmm. those are still conversations that we're having in terms of what happens after the 10 weeks. From your perspective, Jacenia, what did you want to see? Uh, how did you want to see the school year begin in New Haven? Well, I, I don't think, you know, based, based on the votes that it's... Um, it was obvious that my personal choice would have been to start with a hybrid plan, but um, that was not um, what was voted on. And so as president of the board, now it's for me, it's just time that we move on and make the remote plan work for all of our students with maybe some exceptions for our special needs students, um, students with IEPs and, and our ELL students. But again, those are conversations we need to have as a board. And again, you know, some really tough decisions we have to make, right? Definitely. Uh, I also have uh, two school-age children, so I understand uh, that perspective. But when you think about uh, what you're hearing from parents in in New Haven, um, you know, so much uh, conversation is on how to support students and teachers and staff, and they definitely need it. But what about the the parents in in your city uh, who have jobs uh, that make them not available to help their children when they're fully doing remote learning? How will the district support them? Right. And, and that's what's tough um, for all of us um, in, in making these decisions, right? We have to weigh 
what everyone wants. And, and of course, you know, we can't, we hope to please everyone and, and make it so that everyone has a choice, but it's not how it worked out in this, in this instance. Um, I did, I have received many, many emails um, from parents and even teachers who do want to get back into the buildings and, and who wanted at least a hybrid plan. Um, and so right now that is a conversation that families are having um, because unfortunately it'll be up to them to decide how they'll juggle this current reality we're in. Um, again, currently we're in a 10 week fully remote plan. Hopefully we can get back to the schools, even if only on the hybrid plan after 10 weeks. I think if we don't um, get back to at least the hybrid plan after the 10 weeks, uh, as long as our COVID numbers remain low, then for me personally, again, not speaking necessarily for the board, but personally, I think that then we would be failing our students, our families and our staff. But um, again, we, those are conversations we're having. The plan is to hopefully go at least hybrid as long as the COVID numbers remain low. And that's after the, the 10 weeks that you mentioned? That's after the 10 weeks at the moment with maybe, like I said, hopefully some exceptions for special needs students, um, ELL students, students mm -hmm. with IEPs. Uh, you're hearing Jesenia Rivera. She's president of the New Haven Public Schools Board of Education. As we talk to talk about back to school across our state, you can join our conversation 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Dr. Eileen Tracy is superintendent for New Haven Public Schools, and she's on the phone right now. Dr. Tracy, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Good morning, everyone. Now, I understand that you, as well as Mayor Elliker, who's a member of the board, uh, objected to this uh, idea of fully remote. You were hoping that the school board would uh, vote to approve a hybrid plan. You detailed some of your concerns uh, to the board about going fully remote. Can you uh, briefly uh, mention those concerns and, and why you feel so strongly that fully remote may not be the best for uh, students in the district? So let me say, um, first of all, it may be um, suicidal in terms of political suicide and, and my job as being uh, the only employee for the Board of Education to have gone against my board. But however, I felt very strongly that, as Yasina said, there, there are challenges with all of the plans. However, when we were asked to create three plans by the State Department of Education, we planned accordingly. We were the first school district that had plans out because we, we went ahead and made plans. However, we presented the preferred plan of the hybrid plan on the basis that when OPM came and checked out our largest schools, our largest high schools and, and elementary school, that they found out that we did not have the space for social distancing. Therefore, hybrid would fit better for New Haven Public Schools in those cases. Uh, the hybrid plan would provide for, with parents still having choice of opting out, would provide for less students in the school and, and more space for cohorting and maximizing social distancing. So I presented, I presented pros and cons of the different plans. And um, apparently the board decided to go differently because the concern around fear of students' lives, the, the way we are in New Haven as being a comorbid city, mm -hmm. um, with, with our environment of um, 
black and Latino, a concentration of black and Latino um, students and families, and many families are multi-generational. The board felt that we needed to have a safer plan for getting kids into school. The unions felt the same way. They were concerned that the schools were not ready. We're in the midst of summer, so schools were still getting ready. So there were concerns about that. And I understand where my board is coming from. They're still insisting that we needed to have a better plan around the safety issues so that people can have confidence mm-hmm. in, in, in that they're safe coming back into the system. I also articulated the whole idea of parents who did not have a voice because our survey of 15,000 of our parents came back with a 50-50 split. 50 wanted to be in person, which we would provide instruction for remotely, and 50 wanted to be back in school. The part of the, the, what I was pushing for is everyone, the parents need to have that choice, and should not, that choice of going back should not be taken away from them. So that was part I talked about the English learners. You, some, some students, you just cannot teach remotely. You cannot have a plan for them, special education students who are um, medically fragile students, who are nonverbal, who are um, having severely autistic. Those students cannot be in computer learning anything remotely. So you cannot even create a plan. The only mm-hmm. plan for them is in person. So, uh, Dr. So, and, Yes, go ahead. Dr. Tracy, I wanted to, uh, these are important points that you're raising. You know, I wanted to talk about learning loss. So we know uh, the Connecticut Mirror reported on uh, what online learning looked like across our state. Uh, they found that New Haven in particular had really poor rates of participation in online learning this past spring. One in 10 students didn't participate. Uh, in total, seven out of 10 students in New Haven were missing from education part or all of the last semester. So when we think about New Haven starting 10 weeks fully remote. What is the plan to engage those students who had trouble last time, last year, uh, uh, again, logging in and, and doing the work? So first of all, um, let me correct that data. It is not true that one in 10 um, was not involved. When the survey came to us, um, we had, and the way it was written, it had fully engaged, partially engaged, not engaged. So there was a combination of the, the fully been partially engaged and not engaged. So that so and that the the last part when as a board we decided to to come up with a grading policy because we were not finding some of our students at the time we had said over two thousand students we were not able to to get to and finding them tracking them down to see where they are. But in that last latter part of the the fourth marking period when we put forth the grading policy, then a lot of students decided. You know, it doesn't make sense to even do the work. It's not going to be graded anyway. We decided to count the first three marking periods when they were in school for grading and that those students who probably did not have good grades could use that latter, the fourth marking period, to help to bring their grades up. If they were already A students, it remains A in that manner. And so that's, that's what. So I, the data that is being reported mm-hmm. um, is not correct. So looking at this new school year, thinking about the students who weren't engaged, what is the plan mm-hmm. to engage them? So we, we are, what we are doing right now, and remember in the spring, everyone across the nation jumped into something that they were not prepared for. So I understand that some of the students found the word boring or, you know, some of them were left to take care of their, 
their siblings, and, and it was a struggle because I got those emails. I got co- communication from parents. This time around, we made sure that our teachers are trained to deliver um, remote instruction to make learning more robust and engaging for our students. Teachers this week are also in training um, around that type of learning to help our students. However, with that said, some of the same situations can happen because if students do not feel that the work is engaging, they will not log on. If everyone does not have a device, then you'll have another problem. Currently, I, I shared with Channel 8 last night, but currently we have our younger students, pre-K-2, who are not students who actually put on Chromebooks. You need, you need tablets, iPads for those students. We have invested in ordering materials for those students. We are told that we will not, we will not get those until the end of September. Mm. Some schools that are magnet schools, have iPads for all their students. So that would not be a problem, but there will be those few that will not have those devices ready to start on September 3rd. So we are working with staff. What should we do with these students? They may have to go back to, to um, quite honestly, make sure that there are packets available for student learning and there are videos that they may be able to send to parents uh, or direct parents to some learning hubs. Right now, Connecticut has a learning hub that is servicing both parents and students. And so we have to do what we need to get our students to engage in the learning. Engage does not mean hopping onto a computer. That's just mm-hmm. participation. Engage means staying with the work and doing the work that is given to you. Mm-hmm. That's Dr. Eileen Tracy, Superintendent for New Haven Public Schools. Also with us on Zoom, Jacenia Rivera, President of the New Haven Public Schools Board of Education. Jacenia, what can you add to that? It sounds It is concerning that, you know, Obviously, engagement means also learning and doing the work, but if certain grades don't even have the proper devices to start the remote work, uh, how's that going to go? Um, that That's going to be the interesting part of this, right? And see if we get up all of the devices, we're not going to have them all on time, but hopefully we'll have them, as Dr. Tracy said, by the end of September. So far, um, We've distributed 8,000 devices, around 8,000, with about another 15,000 on the way. So um, this should address the needs of all of the staff and students. And so, you know, hopefully they'll come in by the end of September. If not, it's going to be a challenge if those families don't have at least one computer to be able to to log on um, onto the classes. Mm -hmm. So and, and these are the challenges, right, that we're working with at the moment. I'm wondering uh, when we hear about some of these uh, resources not being available with the, the start of the school year, would it have made sense for, for New Haven to postpone the start of school year until these devices were in hand? The issue with, and Dr. Tracy can talk a little bit more about that, but the issue with postponing the start of the year is the mandate of um, making sure that students are receiving classroom time, classroom hours. Um, I think it's 177 days because they waived three days from the original 180. Um, So if we postponed everything until devices come in, now we're looking at having to either take away vacations or tacking on at the end of the school year, which then becomes a a problem, I'm I'm pretty sure, with our our teachers' unions and... Mm -hmm. 
things like that. So that that's a challenge. So we do have to start on September 3rd and we will and we'll do the best that we can with what we've got at the moment. Mm. Jessenia, before I, I bring Dr. Tracy back into the conversation, I'm wondering, you know, is the state doing enough to help uh, your particular school district? Uh, we know that the governor announced $131 million in, in federal funds uh, to help uh, areas for uh, unbudgeted costs uh, because of, uh, again, preventing coronavirus. I, I know New Haven didn't even get an, the amount of money that they were asking for. Uh, what more do you need from the state to support you? We hear the state has partnered with philanthropy to get devices, to get Wi-Fi connectivity, but it doesn't sound like uh, that that's really trickling down to, to your district. No, actually, uh, one of our board members um, was actually quoting numbers at our last board meeting of, of funds that other districts received. And in comparison to those districts, we received very little. Um, so yes, they could be doing more. I'm not sure why they're not, um, but we need all the resources we can get, um, at the, especially at this time. I mean, we're, we're underfunded to begin with, and now this just this COVID-19 era that we're in just compounded that. Mm. Um, so, so they could be doing more is the answer. Uh, Dr. Tracy, I understand New Haven asked for almost $14 million and the state gave the, the district about $5.3 million. Why is that? Is it because the district decided to go fully remote? So let me say, say this. We all um, were aware that giving the extra, the extra money is extra money. It's not like we are entitled to it. So the extra money was based on whether or not you're going hybrid or fully remote. So mm. school systems that decided to go, not, I should say, school system that decided to go fully in person, I should say, fully in person, of course they get more of the monies in their hands. Hybrid, they get a certain set of money because they're going hybrid. All that extra money from, this, from the governor was based on the plan mm. that you're, you're, you select that you were going to use. Now, if you select a remote plan, then you're not entitled to that extra money. That's at the discretion of the governor. It's not an entitlement grant or anything that you're going to say, the governor needs to give it to us. That was at the discretion of the governor based on the plan that was used. They were for funding fully remote or hybrid plan. Mm. The, the, the remote plan, not fully remote, I should say, fully in-person or hybrid plan. The remote plan was reserved for emergency where the pandemic in the community, where the virus in the community was showing that it's trending up and now it's time to shut down. That's the purpose of the remote plan. Mm. So this is the plan uh, before you now. Again, the city of New Haven's public schools will be fully remote for 10 weeks. Uh, Dr. Tracy, how are you feeling about moving uh, forward uh, with the start this way uh, for your students? And as I'm not going to publicly go against my board, the board has spoken. This is the plan they want to move, but I think they still have some flexibility within there from what I'm hearing that um, if we can show that our schools are safe, there may be some consideration, reconsideration about things. Um, right now, there's a talk about having some kind of checklist and some verification 
that the schools have their ventilation system done, that some other protocols are in place. And, and there may be, within this 10-week period, some concerns about, you know, um, reconsideration. What I want is that my school community is settled. I, um, it's a, there's a lot of uncertainties and confusion and angst in the air right now. And so we are settled right now to move on with this remote plan until there may be other considerations. But I, I have to keep the community um, on one thing right now, keep their minds on one thing right now, and that's shoring up that we have a robust um, learning plan remotely for our students that they can engage in meaningful experiences. Dr. Eileen Tracy, again, is a superintendent for New Haven Public Schools. Dr. Tracy, thank you for calling in today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Have a great day. And Jacenia Rivera, New Haven Public Schools Board of Education President. Uh, Jacenia, thank you for explaining uh, the situation in your school district. Uh, we wish you luck. We hope to follow up in, in a few weeks. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. After the break, Bridgeport Public Schools is planning on reopening fully for K through 8 students, but not everyone agrees with this decision. What about you? How does back to school look like for you and your family? You can join us 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Uh, today we're talking about back to school. It looks very different depending on where you live in our state. Bridgeport Public School students, their school year begins September 8th. Kids in K through 8th grade will be full-time while, while high schoolers will follow a hybrid schedule. The Connecticut Post reports nearly half of Bridgeport students are being kept home by their parents for the time being. But how are teachers and staff in the Bridgeport Public Schools feeling about the plan? Do you want us now is Anna Batista, president of the Bridgeport Education Association, the teachers union in the city. She's worked as a bilingual educator for 36 years. Anna, welcome to our show. Anna, can you hear me? Anna, Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Thank you. Again, she's joining us on uh, via Zoom. So tell us about this plan. So fully in class for K through eight, high schoolers will go remote. How are your members feeling? Well, our members, um, first to let you know, and I'm sure you're aware of this, that our biggest concern is safety. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of members that are concerned. While they're happy to be at school, uh, getting ready, to greet the students. They also recognize that some are in older buildings. Bridgeport has and continues to be a city that is underfunded. And therefore teachers, they're, they're fearful of building conditions, safety, being uh, provided with the PPE equipment that they've been promised and they have it at this point, but they are concerned, you know, how long will that last? Mm. 
Anna, I brought up to New Haven uh, when they asked for a certain portion of these federal dollars uh, to help uh, communities because of coronavirus. Uh, they got less than half of what they asked for. I believe Bridgeport asked for $12.5 million to help with preparing, and they got $3 million. And so when you think about uh, helping uh, teachers and staff and students feel safe about going back to school, do you feel that the school district is adequately prepared? Well, to be honest with you, I was really surprised when I heard the amount of money that was being given to Bridgeport, considering that, like I said earlier, we're so underfunded mm -hmm. and we barely have enough resources right now. And I'm even talking about teachers. Bridgeport has cut over 400 positions in the last four years so right now we're there's there's no fat to cut anywhere so even something as simple and this has been a big concern with the teachers this year like who will cover lunch duty we have a duty-free lunch our superintendent has assured us that we will have that but at the same time the concern is again where do you have staff that you could put in to cover classes because we are trying to keep the students in cohorts so we definitely cannot mix students what happens also if a sub if a sub is needed and we don't have enough substitutes in the past we've been known we do this a lot we split students into other classrooms with packages for the day or they'll complete the assignments of the classes they're put in. We can't do that this year. We can't be mixing students in with other students because then we're defeating the purpose of social distancing mm -hmm. and the mixing of different students. Anna, I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, town of Hamden is pushing back the start of their school year because of a teacher shortage. Do you have a sense from your members, uh, maybe teachers who are older and feel they're more at risk of get, catching COVID, or they have uh, family members that, um, again, have health concerns? Will this be something that you'll have to address? How many are willing to go back into the classroom? We started yesterday, and obviously, uh, the person that has the best numbers for that would be the human resource department. What I've been being told by many members that applied for ADA, everyone I spoke to has been denied. They are not being given the accommodations that they've requested. And some, there has been some retirements, but the concern is that they, they, all teachers are being required to come into the buildings. And again, like I said earlier, the concern with that is that some of these older buildings, they don't have any sort of air conditioning. And you know how hot the older buildings or really any building can get and then put on top of that a mask. You will be taking mask breaks but that may not be enough when you're in an older building mm -hmm. that reaches 108 degrees. We heard from a listener on Twitter who writes concerns about lunch 
Eating indoors is deemed higher risk. Eating, talking, unmasked is very restaurant-like and seems to be ill-advised ill unless schools provide outdoor space for all students to eat. Uh, what is Bridgeport's plan, Anna? Bridgeport's plan is, well, first, I, I did want to make sure that I go over that. While we're going a pre-K to 8 is um, going in person, we will be monitoring um, the capacity of each school. For example, the school that I've taught out for the past 10 years is one of the largest schools in the state of Connecticut, and it has up to 1,200 students. So um, data has been indicating that we're not at 50% and above, but should that occur, I've spoken to Superintendent Testani, and we decided that we won't be operating a school with like a thousand people in it because mm -hmm. that's not going to be right now supporting the plan that we have. So again, with lunch, with a school like that, that has over 50 classrooms to accommodate, that that's going to really create a situation where a lot of planning has to um, be in place and it has to run. As you're aware, a lot of the urban schools, we don't have extra room outside to mm -hmm. whatever, if we wanted to put picnic benches or whatever, we're not capable of doing that. And mm -hmm. at the same time, you would still have to have supervision. So lunch, and also I've been hearing from the teachers, should they have to do lunch duty? It's, um, you know, without a mask on, they it is frightening for them. Because again, safety is key. They all want to be able to go home and not bring anything with them. But also, they're also, you know, teachers are very protective over their students. Mm. So they want to make sure that they're safe and the community that we teach it. You're hearing Anna Batista again. She's president of the Bridgeport Education Association, the teachers union in Bridgeport, as that district prepares to open school fully for grades K through eight. High schoolers will be remote. I wanted to fit in a quick call near the end of the show. Rebecca's calling in. Rebecca, we just have a couple of minutes. So what did you want to share? I'm a teacher and I was lucky enough to be able to take leave so that I can stay home and avoid extra contaminating my son. He has significant special needs. I have to send him to school because I'm not, even though I'm a teacher, qualified to do speech therapy, occupational therapy, and modify to his level. And I just keep thinking of all the parents who don't have that choice or whose kids are so significantly affected that they're really trapped between safety and any form of education. Thank you. Mm. That's an important point that you raise, uh, Rebecca. Uh, Anna, we just have a, a couple of minutes left. Uh, Again, school starts September 8th. Do you expect to be there be, be last minute changes trying to figure out uh, student ratios within schools if uh, there is uh, staff shortages up, up to that date? Our superintendent has uh, been meeting with us for, I'm going to say right now, we've met seven times within the last three weeks. He's looking at the numbers just about daily, and they have plans in place should we have to do a hybrid in individual classrooms or schools. 
So I know that he's going to be looking at even at individual, you know, classes versus instead of the whole school, if he has to. So I'm going to say yes. Mm. When you're in an urban setting, you need to be you need to be flexible. That's for sure. We're hearing from a lot of parents that uh, with all these different schedules, it's posing a lot of challenges for parents who have work that are unable to stay home and trying to figure out that care and provide supervision. Uh, Anna, I imagine that that isn't also an issue uh, within the Bridgeport School District. Absolutely, it is. And I do want to give you an example of that. It, it is between the students, but even the teachers. Teachers right now are being required to come and many to come in person. And if they do, if they were granted an accommodation, it would still be within a school building. The problem with that is they have their own children and many of them are going hybrid, which means likely they're just going twice a week. So I do have to say our superintendent this year ended up um, forming a program with Lighthouse to be able to take educators' children in in the schools if necessary for a program exclusively for them. Obviously, they would pay for it. Mm -hmm. And then on on regards to the parents, yes, I do agree. It is creating, it probably will create a problem for the parents, but we're all talking about safety Mm -hmm. and you can't put a price on that. And I think, I know even many people that that I know that don't even have children, people are very understanding. And Anna, we'll have to to leave it there. You're right. We are in these uncharted waters. It's going to be a tough uh, few months, uh, but we thank you for telling us what's happening in Bridgeport. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.